0: I am so excited to bring you this episode in our series for working homeschool parents. Have a listen.
1: You can't do it all at once and knowing what to set down instead of letting it drop.
0: So our guest today is Jen McKinnon and she has a website and a Facebook group that serves over 20 thousand working homeschool moms even if you're not a working homeschool mom there's a lot of good stuff in here about homeschooling about mindset practical ideas guilt perfectionism so I hope you'll stick with us through this series there oh, yet! Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now, let's get started. (laughs)
1: <laughs> in 400 meters
0: are we there yet
1: in 100 meters
0: you have reached your destination Today, I'm so happy to welcome Jen McKinnon on the podcast. Jen helps so many working homeschool moms over at her blog, practicalbydefault.com. Jen, where have you been all my life? What can you add to that introduction? Tell us about your homeschool journey and your family.
1: Hi, well, I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. As for where I've been, well, I was busy working and homeschooling, so I didn't actually join the online world until 2016. Um, So that's when I decided that I needed more people who were working and homeschooling and that since I couldn't, I wasn't friends with Google. I was searching and searching the internet, but I could never really find a community Um, Of support of working moms who are also homeschooling. So I thought I'd be crazy and jump in and start one of my own. As for our family uh, story about homeschooling, you know, it's it's very familiar, I'm sure, to most of your listeners. We are unexpected homeschoolers. We had zero intention of ever homeschooling. But, um, you know, we started the journey because it was the best decision for our kids. And we stayed with this journey because we fell in love with it. So we've been homeschooling all the way through right from grade primary and i just graduated my youngest last month congratulations that's amazing thank you it's bittersweet
0: <laughs> it really is yes i've graduated from homeschooling as well and uh, and it is it's it's different that's for sure so when i was a working homeschool mom i think i was the only one that i knew that was working and homeschooling Other than I had one friend whose husband had a business and she did the bookkeeping for the business uh, within their home office. But other than that, I was the only one. So I think that uh, your community is such a great thing. That's why I said, where have you been all my life? So you already said what led (laughs) you to start your blog And this question isn't in your notes, but did you really think that your blog would take off the way that it has?
1: So, yeah, no, I definitely didn't think my site would take off at all. So when I started my blog, you know, it was part of self-care, honestly. Um, It was a project that was all mine. I didn't know anything about websites. Um, I still remember to this day, I worked for like three hours to get a button on my website to open to a new page. Cause I didn't know how to do that. You know, I had to Google it and I had to YouTube it and I finally got it to work and I was so excited. I was like jumping up and down in my living room. My kids thought I was insane. My husband didn't get it. He's like, okay, you know, it happens all the time. I was like, yes, but I did it. So my website started off as kind of like a self-care thing for me because it was something that I was learning to do for me. But it was also a way for me to connect to other working moms who are homeschooling because I felt like I couldn't be the only one out there that was doing this. But in my local offline community, I was. I was the only one. I didn't know anyone else who was working and homeschooling. So my goal was to find one other person, just one, who is also working and homeschooling that we could like bounce these ideas off of, you know, what's working, what's not working, how do you make this work? And so I just started sharing what I was doing and what I was failing at because I failed a lot. A lot of things didn't work and that was okay. And I shared what worked and, you know, over time I was amazed to find a community of other working moms out there who were homeschooling and who felt just like I did, who were looking for that
0: community and support. And now there are thousands and thousands of you. Yes. They're all as crazy as me. Well, one of the things I love about you, Jen, is that you are so real. Like you just say, you know, you ask questions right on your blog, like, is this going to make me a crappy mom and stuff like that. And, and you really are real about about just the juggle that, you know, you have to do. And so how did you come by the title Practical by Default? <laughs>
1: So titles are not like names of things and titles are just, it's always been a struggle for me. Um, And I can, I have proof of that. Our animals, you know, the kids named our animals. So we have beans, which is a cat and we had max, which was a dog, you know, very plain Cleo, the cat. I wasn't allowed to name things because I was boring, but Um, so my husband and I, you know, I was brainstorming, what am I going to call this website? I knew it wanted to be about homeschooling and working. And, you know, I was the wife who, when it came to gifts of any sort, I always asked for what was practical. I wanted things I could use. You know, I always asked for like a laundry basket or, you know, a vacuum or, you know, I wanted the gift to be something that helped me manage my life that would make life easier that I was going to use. Pretty was great, but I don't think I've ever asked for a gift that, you know, was just not useful and so my husband said yeah you're practical to a fault and I was like by default that's going to be my name and so that's what I picked which is kind of funny because if you take any type of business course they always say pick a url that has to do with like what you do and so and I guess a way it is because everything about me is pretty practical it's things that you can use but uh yeah (laughs) so it's a funny story
0: I think when you're a working homeschool parent, you have to be practical. Like you don't have time for a lot of theoretical things. You just have to make it all work. So it works. Now you offer on your blog solutions for the working homeschool mom. What are the areas covered in your blog and what kinds of solutions and helpfulness can working homeschoolers find there? That's a really
1: good question. So I, you know, the working mom, Working mom who's also homeschooling, we have a lot of different things on our plate. So, what you'll find on my website are resources for time management, you know, how to fit all those pieces into one life, because you only have, you know, seven days a week and you have all these different roles that you play in your life. Um, You'll also find things for, you know, working, you know, how to work at home with small children. Um, how to keep your kids occupied if you work at home, because that's a big distraction. You know, everybody has this idea of what working at home is so nice and you could set your own hours. What they forget is the people that show up your door and the kids that are going mom, 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 mom. And you're trying to focus. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about, you know, when you have to leave because I worked both outside the home and inside the home and I homeschooled and I ran my own business. And I did volunteer work. So, you know, it's a lot of different pieces. So, you know, getting up and walking out the door and dropping your kids off at childcare. You know, we talk about how to find that childcare, where you're going to find your friends for your kids. We also talk about homeschooling and how, you know, finding curriculum as a homeschool mom that also works is different than finding homeschool and curriculum as a homeschool parent. Uh, And then, of course, we talk about all the other parts like housekeeping and meal planning and connecting and making those strong relationships with your kids. So there's a lot of resources there. Hopefully it answers the questions that moms need and helps support them in this journey.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that's great. And um, just thinking of all the sort of areas that you were talking about, time management is so important. And I think even everyone can have something to learn from that. But as a working homeschool mom, you do have to really manage your time. Otherwise, it just all won't happen. <laughs> It'll all fall apart. And I know that the more I work outside the home, sometimes I work from home, sometimes I work. I feel like we're twins in all the things that we do. But just the curriculum that I would use was very different than the curriculum that I used when I was just at home because I tended to do a few more like computerized things or things that like switched on schoolhouse. Just knowing that their math and English was covered very well by that, it kind of gave me a bit more flexibility with my time. Plus I had other grades to teach, right? So I have four. So it is definitely something to consider when you're choosing curriculum. The kind of lifestyle that you're living.
1: It's extremely important.
0: Yes. You also have a Facebook group, which you describe as the most positive, supportive, and kick-butt working homeschool moms out there. Can you tell us about that group?
1: Sure. So... As I mentioned, one of the biggest parts or biggest obstacles, I guess, as a working mom that's also homeschooling is that loneliness factor. You know, you don't really fit in and I can only speak from personal experience, so I'll share my story. But, you know, when I go to when I went to the office, you know, there was moms there that put their kids on the bus every day, which is fine. You know, that works for their kids. And I don't feel like homeschooling is a one fits everybody, but they could not understand you know, why I was making the choice to homeschool my kids, why I was making this life so difficult if I didn't have to. And then on the other hand, I would talk to my homeschooling friends and they didn't understand why are you getting up and walking out the door every day, not realizing that, you know, kids like to eat. So I had to pay the bills. And so that loneliness factor was massive. You know, when things went good, I didn't really have anybody to celebrate with. Or when things went bad, I didn't really have anybody who understood that I couldn't just give up work or just give up homeschooling to make life easier, but that I just needed a place to say, this is hard, and someone else to say, me too, or I understand. So that I started the Facebook group thinking, again, I would find a few people who were in the same boat. And I launched that in December 2016. We now have over 22,500 members in the group. So if you are working in homeschooling and you think you are the only one out there, I can guarantee now that you are not. We are a worldwide group, which is amazing. Um, I love it because you get moms from all walks of life. We get single moms. We get um, new moms. We get veterans. We get moms all over the world with different cultures and different customs and different ways of making this work. So if you think one of my... uh, I'd like to say like flags is that there is no one way to make this work, right? If you come to me and say, okay, I need one way to make this work. You tell me exactly what to buy, exactly what to do, exactly when. It's not going to happen because every single person's life is different. And every child within that home is different. They all learn differently. All our schedules are different. So when you come in there, you get this wide variety of what working and homeschooling can look like. And so from that, you can glean the information and support and figure out, you know, okay, I really like what Sandra is doing over here with her two kids. And I like what Jill is doing over here. And, you know, you can make your own beautiful, wonderful homeschooling life. You can make it work for you. You can make it perfectly scheduled for you. So I love that group because if I ever feel completely alone or I just need support or I need something to cheer up my day. I can go in there and find other moms who are on the same journey as me.
0: So my heart was really resonating with you when you were talking about feeling almost caught in the middle between um, your work friends and your homeschooling friends, and neither seemed to understand fully what you were doing or why. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but... In the homeschool community, at least in my generation, there was a bit of judgment, I think, or at least I felt like it, about working outside the home when you have kids and and when you're homeschooling. And at the same time, a lot of it was coming from people whose husbands were making six figures and you know, didn't go back to school to get a master's degree that we had to pay for at a non sub you know, government subsidized school and all that kind of stuff. And um and then people who didn't homeschool Well, they generally didn't understand why people would even do it anyway, because they would say, I don't have the patience to homeschool. And I would say, neither do I, but I'm doing it anyway. So it just sounds like that group is just so encouraging. And I was thinking, as you said, that no kids are the same, no household, and no job is the same either, like no business or job is the same. So you could even have similarities within your family, but then if you have a job where you work retail somewhere and or you have a home-based business or you have some other business and you know you're just it's yeah there is no one-size-fits-all so I think that's a really good flag to have in your group so Jen you are not a person then as we can see that you are not theoretical about the challenges of homeschooling while bringing home some bacon you are living this every day Can you describe to us some of the jobs that you have had both in and outside the home as you've homeschooled your children?
1: Sure. Yeah, Uh, I've done a lot. Um, You know, one of the hardest decisions I talk about this was actually returning back to work. So when I had children, I had it in my mind, I was going to be a stay at home mom and I was going to raise my kids. And so making that decision, you know, coming to that point in your life where you're like, okay, either I go back to work or this, you know, we're going to keep going in debt for us, it was, we were going to keep going in debt and there would be no way out. So I had to overcome the, the mentality of being a working mom was okay. Like you said, it was the right choice and there was nothing wrong with that. And so, but another obstacle I had is I was out of the workforce for a few years. So going back to work was really difficult. You know, skills change so fast today. So I ended up starting as a cashier um, for a store in our area and I That was fun. (laughs) I enjoyed parts of it, um, but it was really difficult. And then I was in, um, I got a different job in management where I was working in the clothing industry. Um, I've also done cleaning because minimum wage doesn't really cover the bills or even cover the cost of childcare. So when you go back to work, you need to consider that, right? How much are you going to be paying for childcare? Where are you going to find this childcare for older kids as your kids get older? Because, you know, daycares will only take up to so, so many years. And so um, I was cleaning. I've also done VA work, which is virtual assistant. Currently, I do website management for a local business, and I manage their social media as well as running my own business. And um, yeah, so I've done a little bit of everything over the years. My kids always say when they were starting to look for work, they come to me because they're like, well, you've had lots of experience doing interviews and writing resumes. (laughs)
0: And I was thinking how far you've come in your internet skills, because, you know, there was that day when you spent hours trying to figure out how to get your button to open up onto another page. And now you're totally helping another company with all of their internet things and all the things. So that's amazing. It's one thing that I've enjoyed about working being a working homeschool mom is that my brain has been stimulated by things other than just the children and I've had to learn things for my businesses or my jobs and um and grown as a person. So, I think that that's an area that working homeschool moms can enjoy. So I did home parties when the kids were little, tutoring, home daycare. Like you, I've had a cleaning business cuz the hourly wage was Better than you know retail minimum wage, and um, that wasn't very good on my back, though I have to say. And then I had a bricks and mortar business as well, which sometimes the kids had to come with me and do their schoolwork there while I worked, and we had to answer a lot of questions from customers. But eventually, they got used to it. (laughs) What would you say is the biggest challenge in this juggle? You already talked about some mindset issues of just getting your head around the fact that you or going back to work, what would you say is the biggest challenge? Yeah. Oh
1: Well, I've already talked about the loneliness factor, and you know, the mindset. So I would say the next biggest challenge is just fitting it all in, you know, um, understanding that balance in your life is never going to be equal. You know, some people have this um, almost allergic reaction to the word balance. And I think that's because in their mind, they have like, it all equal, right? So like, eight hours working and eight hours homeschooling and eight hours sleeping and eight hours doing self-care and eight hours. Well, you're out of time, right? You only have 24 hours a day, but when you realize that balance is more about putting your time and your energy into what matters right now, and it's figuring that out. And the fact that it always changes because kids, you know, with your work schedule, without your homeschool, your kids are always changing. So their needs change and then your family's needs change and your work schedule changes. You know, for me, Especially if you work in retail, because we've talked about that, the holidays are insane. You know, you're thinking Black Friday to Christmas to winter. It's insane. And so you have to adjust everything else around that. Your homeschooling has to relax. If you want to make it through with a shred of sanity, (laughs) uh, you have to simplify those things at home. You know, you're talking about meal planning. This is where your meal planning comes in. So you don't have to make that decision. So I think juggling All the pieces and understanding that you can't do it all. You can't do it all at once and knowing what to set down instead of letting it drop. You know, I teach a lot of this in my paid community, the coffee club where we it's a smaller close knit community and we talk a lot about this because it's so important you know, we have that uh, illustration of the mom with the glass balls, right? And she's juggling and it's like, which ones are you going to let drop? Well, instead of dropping it, it's better to be intentional with your time and set it aside for now and be okay with that. And I think that brings you peace of mind. So that's probably the
0: biggest struggle. That is such a good point. We all talk about prioritizing, but then we don't don't always live like that. We tend to just react sort of the tyranny of the urgent and whatever's up in front of our face. We to it and then we react to the next thing when really, you know, being intentional (laughs) makes a huge difference and knowing too. Then you feel rooted and grounded in your choices as well because you've given them thought. I do time management seminars in my spare time and one analogy that is someone else's, it's not mine, but if you put different sized objects into a glass jar, if if you just kind of dump them in there, they can't all fit. But if you put the biggest ones that represent your most important priorities in first, and then the lesser things in next, it's amazing how things will fit in. But most of us don't, you know, put the things on our calendar that are intentionally the most important things and then go from there. We often just react. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that point about having your priorities clear. And there are some balls that you do have to put down. Sometimes that's hard because all the things are good things, right? And people don't always understand too, especially if you don't have a whole lot of time for them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we
1: have that saying that saying no allows us to say yes to what's important. But hearing it and practicing it, as you said, are two different things. And so it really makes a big difference when we're being intentional and we have so much peace when we make choices instead of letting life happen to us. (laughs) That's right. When we're proactive,
0: so as women in the situation of being working homeschool moms, we often struggle with the guilt that we're basically not doing anything well because we are doing so much. Can you speak to that? Oh,
1: guilt is such a hard thing to deal with, and I'm going to tell you something. Um, so the Canadian conference, the Canadian homeschool conference, we just had that, and one of I had the opportunity I was privileged to be invited into a live zoom meeting with a bunch of working moms and every single mom mentioned well you know they didn't all type it in but guilt guilt is such a big thing for and the truth is it's it's a big thing for all moms you know i've never met one mom who didn't second guess some decision they made whether it's like the curriculum they're using or you know even if they're not a homeschooling mom you know did they send their child to the right school did they feed them the right meal they're always second guessing this is not something that's just Limited to working moms. We all feel this way. And I think personally, in a way, understanding that you really can't do it all, but what you can do is give your best and to be, you know, make the best decisions that you can in the time. And if you make mistakes, and you will, we all make mistakes and we have this fear, right? If we make a mistake, we're going to mess our child up for life. They are never going to recover. <laughs> but, you know, that's not the way it works. They're going to watch. Okay. Mom made a mistake and you can say that, right? You can say, okay, you know what? This was wrong. I made a mistake and our kids are going to learn from that. They're going to learn nobody's perfect because that's not a requirement to work in homeschool. You do not need to be perfect to work in homeschool. You have to be willing to try new things and you need to be willing to make mistakes and you need to be willing to learn from those mistakes and that's okay. I think that's so important for moms to know that, you know, our kids learn from our mistakes just as they learn from the things that we do right. In fact, they might learn more from the way we handle our mistakes and overcome them. And so, you know, I always told my kids that I'm learning right along with you. And even though they're both finished school, you know, we continue to learn. We continue to learn to do new things. They look up things on YouTube and they take courses on Udemy and, you know, learning never ends. So I think the biggest guilt that working moms have and homeschool moms have is that they're so afraid that they're not going to teach their kids everything. And the truth is, they're right, because you can't.
0: Are you homeschooling high school? Canadian resources are often hard to find. The people that brought you Headphone History have created a Canadian Geography Companion Workbook to the Encounter Canada textbook. This amazing workbook takes the text and turns it into a complete geography credit with lesson plans, worksheets, and over a hundred instructional videos, allowing your students to work independently while getting the instruction they need. You can find it at headphonehistory.com homeschool on the podcast website or on Amazon. And now back to our podcast.
1: You can't teach your kids everything. Because life changes. I mean, a few years ago, most of us had never even heard of Zoom (laughs) or we hadn't heard of the coronavirus or social distancing. So these are things that we've all had to learn, no matter where we are in the world. We've had to learn what are these things, what steps need to be taken, and that's never going to change. So as long as we teach our kids how to learn, they're going to
0: be fine. Yes, that's such a good point. And learning how to learn is way more important than learning any specific fact because you can always look up a specific fact if you need to know it, but learning how to learn, that's a lifelong skill. I was thinking when you were talking to about guilt, sometimes we have perfectionism issues, and that can lead to us having a lot of guilt (laughs) that we just don't need to have. Do you want to speak to that?
1: (laughs) Oh, because it's something I struggle with, you know. Um, And unfortunately, for like a long time, it held me Because what happens with, for me, with perfectionism is I don't do anything. It locks me in place. And I feel like I'm going to make the wrong choice. I'm going to wreck my kids for life. So if I don't make a choice, then maybe that's better. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. You have to make a choice. And so, you know, that fear and second guessing. And it got to the point where I had to be okay with, you know, making the wrong choice. And then celebrating when we made the right choice. So perfectionism and comparison, you know, Those two things seem to go hand in hand. If we're so scared of making a mistake, it's sometimes because we're looking at other people and all we see is all the good things they're doing. But we need to realize that we're only seeing a snapshot of time. Right. in in on social media or even in our friends, you know, we're calling them on the phone and if we've caught them in a great day, that's all we're going to hear. We're going to think, oh, well, I haven't had a day like that. But we forget about all the bad days they've had. You know, most of us don't go on social media and say my day was absolutely horrible. I mean, I have, but I'm weird like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's because we need to know everybody has good days and everybody has bad days and it's going to be okay.
0: Yes, I have a whole chapter on that comparison trap in my book and I always say that we're always comparing our blooper reel with everyone else's, you know, Facebook highlight reel and it's pretty unfair. Another thing yes. I thought of when you were talking about perfectionism and this is something that I've had to just say to myself over and over again is sometimes good enough just has to be good enough. <laughs> like not to encourage yes. underachievement per se, but you know, sometimes good enough has to be good enough and no one's going to die if it if it isn't perfect. So let's get on with it.
1: Yes. Yeah, similar to you. I have uh, the saying done is better than perfect because like I said, for me, perfectionist holds me back from doing anything. And so it never gets done and eventually it needs to get done. So
0: yeah, that's, yeah. that's big. Yep. Yeah. And that can also be true in business or, you know, stepping out into any new venture too. If you wait until your product or whatever you're offering is absolutely perfect, you'll never, ever get it out there. You can always do 2.0 later when you learn more and to make it better, but yeah, I, I would say that perfectionism is a huge cause of procrastination. It's like if you can't do it perfectly, then you don't do it. But the world is waiting. <laughs> How important is self care for the working homeschool mom? And you touched on it briefly, but let's get into it a little bit more. And what does the concept of self care mean to you?
1: Self care is vital, and you know, it's probably one of the hardest things for working moms and you know, maybe all moms to implement. Because self-care for me is whatever recharges you. So it's not just any specific thing. Everyone gets recharged by different things. So for me, you know, taking five minutes, drinking a cup of coffee and hiding in a bedroom with the door shut where nobody can talk to me for five minutes helps me release stress and refocus on what's important. Um, you know, not that I don't enjoy a hike through the woods because I do, I absolutely love that, but sometimes I don't have 20 minutes, 30 minutes in my day. So, but I might be able to snatch five minutes here and there to kind of reset, refocus, let go of the stress and recharge. And, you know, I think it's probably one of the main keys if you're going to make it through this, because- working and homeschooling, it's hard. I'm not going to lie and say it's easy because it's not. And like we talked about earlier, you've got a lot going on. So you need to find ways to recharge yourself. Um, There's a saying you can't pour from an empty cup. And so you, you have to find those ways. And I usually try to encourage everyone to start with something really small and simple, like five minutes. If you can get five minutes in consistently, a few days, in a row you start to feel the benefits and then you're like, Oh, okay, this totally works for me. And then you'll be encouraged to try like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And, uh, but yeah, it's so important. I think it prevents burnout. It prevents survival mode. It, it really, and for those of us who aren't patient, I'm not a patient mom. Um, patient, is not my strong point at all. My kids will totally back me up on that. So five minutes of like walking away, taking a few deep breaths, gathering and figuring out, okay, is this really worth arguing about or can I let it go and move on to something important? It makes me a better mom, makes me a better homeschool mom. And, you know, in business, we don't always get to work with friendly, happy people. Sometimes we have to deal with complaints and it's hard to gather your mindset and, you know, not let that eat away at you. So taking that five minutes to step away from the situation and calm down and see it objectively,
0: it's, it's important. It's so important. And would you say that generally we put ourselves last on the list? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so much easier
1: as a mom to put our kids first or even other people in our household, our husbands, our partners, you know, everyone else comes first. Um, and so, yeah. But one thing I will say that has really helped me Start seeing it as important. Besides, I went through burnout and survival mode. Uh, I don't recommend it. You, you can neither. avoid that. That's usually really great. Is it. <laughs> writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So write it down. You know, put it, for those of us who are driven by to-do lists or visual like reminders. I started writing not only self-care, but I was really specific. Like, what was I going to do? So it'd be like coffee and books, and I'd set a timer: five minutes, ten minutes, because it's harder to ignore. For me, if it's on my list, as I'm going through and checking off things, I'm like, okay, I did this, I did this, uh, I didn't do that. And I might not feel like it. And so, you know, for someone, as you mentioned, a bad back, so I have chronic back pain, I have to do exercises daily, I absolutely do detest them. They're boring. They're painful. I don't want to do them. So I have to write them down. And that is also a form of self-care. You know, self-care can be keeping mom alive. So it's eating, drinking water, taking whatever medications and vitamins you need, getting those exercises in because no one can look after you for you. You know, someone can cook for you, but they can't make you eat or they can send you to bed, but they can't make you sleep. You have to do that on your own. And I think that's what's so hard. You know, if we feel like we take care of everyone else, but we also have to take care of ourselves.
0: Well, it's that same thing we were talking about, about prioritizing, right? And we are going to be of no help to anyone if we don't take care of ourselves. My kids yeah, exactly have to tell me And I
1: mentioned like time. when I was, went through self-care. Sorry, my internet. <laughs> well, good for them. That's awesome.
0: Yes. Okay. And if I, if I say, you know, I was very unproductive this evening because I was on the couch then they give me trouble. It can be productive to have a rest when you need one, mom. It's not, everything doesn't have to be productive yes. all the time. So you were saying when my internet so rudely interrupted you.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I learned the lesson the hard way. that if you don't take care of yourself, what happens is, um, so I got really sick, like to the point where the, I wasn't supposed to go to work. I had to stay in bed. I couldn't do anything. And that was horrible because of course I had all these things I had to do. I didn't have time to be sick, I know,
0: I don't have <laughs> but time you know,
1: your sick. body eventually, if you keep putting it off, if you keep putting it off though, your body's going to tell you too bad and it's going to kick in. And so then you won't have a choice. So now, since that was horrible and I never want to do that again, I'm aware of the, the signals, right? Your body will give you signals when you need more self-care. Uh, usually for me, it's my lack of patience and exhaustion. I can't make decisions. Uh, decision fatigue kicks in and I'm like, okay, that's my sign. I need to figure out if I've fallen off of my routines of self-care. And that's usually where the parts stop, like where the problem is.
0: Yes. For me, it's often my sinuses will, like stress will show in my sinuses. So if I'm starting to get headaches and And problems, I know that I am stressed out. And then I have to unpack that and find out if I have been doing too much, which usually is the case. So I guess now we are ready for the home stretch, even though I could probably talk to you for five hours on this topic because it's something I'm very passionate about as well. (laughs) Are you ready for the home stretch? I'm ready. What has been your worst homeschool moment?
1: there's so many. (laughs) Um, So I think the hard, the worst moment for me was uh, coming home after work. It's a really long day at work. And I came home and my youngest was at the table in tears, crying and crying, crying because of math. So one of the mistakes I made when I returned to working outside the home is I thought nothing in my homeschool would have to change. I thought, you know, I can still do all the homeschooling the way we had always been doing it. I thought I could do all the, you know, housework and all the meal planning and the grocery shopping and the paying the bills and the working five, six, seven, eight hours a day. And nothing would have to change. And so we didn't adjust our homeschool curriculum to our new lifestyle. And so the math program that had been working amazing for the last couple of years was designed to have someone sitting beside you showing you how to do it. And of course I wasn't there. So I was like, okay, do pages 26 and 27. I'll come home and look at, well, she didn't understand it. She was so upset and she was sobbing heartbreaking sobs. And it was just like, it was the, it was that moment of feeling everything like, was it worth walking out the door going to work? Was I doing the wrong thing? All the guilt, all the failure, all the feelings that we like put aside came crashing down. And she was just really, 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 really upset. But it was also a good moment, because from that moment, I realized, okay, something has to change. And so, you know, we talked about changing our homeschooling curriculum, but it is definitely burned into my brain of that moment of like, this could have been prevented, but I still learned a lot from it. So
0: yes, thank you. Even if you don't have to work outside the home, there can often be math tears. By the way, but of course, in your situation, it would seem that it was because you were at work and I've been there as well. Thank you for sharing that. What has been your best homeschool moment?
1: Oh, my favorite homeschool moment is not just a moment, but it's a thing. And it's when your kids click, it's like that little spark when it clicks and they understand something or they realize that, you know, they can go and learn something on their own, and they come and they tell you all about it, even if it's like something that you don't really care about. um, They're just so excited, and they're so expressive that you get sucked in, right? I mean, how many of us had to hear about Minecraft, even if we didn't understand it? And so, but they were really excited, right? And so when they learn something new, that is what, for me, makes homeschooling so worth it, is that they have the freedom to explore what they want to learn about, when they want to learn it, at, you know, the speed and the pace that they want to learn. It's just, it's, it's worth all the struggles and the bad days when they come so excitedly and tell you about this really cool thing they just learned all about. And it just blows your mind because kids are amazing.
0: I agree with that. I'm just really giggling because that you use the example of Minecraft because when you were speaking about them talking about something that you may not be very interested in, the word Minecraft came into my mind as well. And then when you used it as an example, I got a good kick out of that.
1: Yeah. I still remember like one way to connect with your kids, of course, is to play what they're interested in. Right. So they're like, mom, come play Minecraft with me. And I I didn't know what I was doing. I got stuck in a hole and I couldn't get out and they thought it was hilarious. So, yeah, I guess I wasn't paying attention when they were telling me all the things.
0: <laughs> well, if someone were to go on my phone and look at the odd combinations of music that I have on my phone, it's because some of the songs are songs that my kids are interested in that, of course, to And they're all very musical. So to enter into their world, I definitely have to know what they're talking about and what artists they are talking about. So, yes. I I haven't actually tried Minecraft. I've just, you know, watched, watched it and listened. So other than that, uh, not wanting to, or not thinking to change your curriculum when you went back to work outside the home, what would you change in your homeschool if you could go back and do things differently?
1: I would de-school. I never even heard of that term up until like four or five years ago, didn't have a clue. And I think if I had of known about de-schooling, how it works, it would have changed our entire homeschool journey. Uh, Because like most new homeschooling moms, I was like, okay, kids, we're going to sit at the table and we're going to raise our hands when we have questions and we're going to ask to go to the bathroom. (laughs) I may have taken it a bit too far, but it took me a long time to let go of that public school mindset that, you know, my kids were always learning. I was a slow, like, because I was, I wanted perfect. I wanted, you know, I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to make any mistakes. Um, and it took me a while to figure out that my kids were always learning. And once I learned that, I will tell you, once you figure out that your kids are always learning, there's so much pressure taken off your own shoulders you can kind of let go a bit and breathe. It makes breathing so much easier. And it makes working and homeschooling so much easier because your kids can learn while you're at work, even if you're not actively teaching them. But it took me a really long time to learn that. And I think I would have saved myself so much pain and tears and frustration for both the kids and myself if I had have de-schooled. So I recommend that for anyone. And no matter how long you've been homeschooling, if you've been homeschooling for a couple of years and you're still fighting tooth and nail to figure this out, it could be that you need to deschool yourself and your kids.
0: I would change the very same thing. I was one of those teacher types. So I even had the bulletin boards and the desks and the eight subjects in one day and all of that. And uh, that's what I would definitely change as well. Eight subjects done horribly. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask what resources you would recommend because you have a whole entire website full of them. Those listening, check out practicalbydefault.com for tons of resources and printables. What does your homeschool look like in the summer, Jen? And, And this is a really great question for a working homeschool mom, because I know that I, when I started working outside the home as a homeschooler, I felt like I lost my summers because the work continued all summer. So all my friends were having like the whole summer off, and all the fun things they were doing, and I still had to work. And so I'm really curious to hear from you on that topic.
1: So one of the things that I never told my kids, because they were very, um, they wanted to follow the public school schedule. So we started our Core curriculum. Our my kids were very workbook, textbook, online based children. That's how they learn best. So we would do that. From we're in Canada, so we start in September and we'd end in like, well, we always ended up in May because I said if you guys work really hard, you get June, July, and August off for summer.
0: We did. Too, so we would
1: grab that extra month. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> so what we did in summer, though, is I just never told them that they were learning, and so. We live in Nova Scotia, so we have lots of beaches. So we would go visit beaches, and we'd have really good discussions. And so it was intentional questions on my part, you know, bringing up, you know, why do you think the sand, when you step on it, changes color? And, you know, that would get the kids thinking, I don't know. We need to go home and look that up. So we'd look it up, and then we'd go visit museums, and we'd talk about what we saw. And so we tried really hard on my days off to go to parks playgrounds museums library trips a lot of um, camps michael's which recently closed in our area but they used to have an art program that your kids could go for the day and it took some wrangling it took some asking friends and family hey can you drop my kids off or i would drop them off on the way to to work and then they would have to be picked up by someone else it wasn't easy but we made it work because it was important And we did a lot of documentaries and movies and movie night and games and reading and all kinds. And the great thing about summer was that we allowed our kids to follow their own interests. So, you know, I have one child who's an artist and so she would draw and read, bookworm, read, and my son would write. He likes to write books. So, you know, he would get to indulge in those hobbies still learning I still counted it on our homeschool reports I just never told them and that's what our summer looked like it was like a lot of flexibility and still juggling but different things it was easier for me as a working mom because I wasn't marking lessons I wasn't designing lessons I wasn't checking you know schoolwork after work we were just hanging out and having fun as I journaled in my notebook what they learned that day so I could include it in my
0: plans so I have to Three things that come to mind. Number one, why does Sam change color when you step in it?
1: <laughs> You'll have to look it up.
0: <laughs> you know, I As my mom would say, go research it. <laughs> yes, my parents did too. So that's why when I don't know something, it really bothers me and I can't rest until I have an answer. Okay, fine. Maybe I'll add it in the postscript (laughs) of this uh, podcast for those who are too busy because they're working homeschool moms to go and look it up. Uh, Let's see. What was the second thing? Now I forget. I have special needs. so Oh, you mentioned on your homeschool report. Now, is that something that you have to do in Nova Scotia or is that something you do?
1: So um, what we have to do for our homeschool requirements in Nova Scotia is we have to list out what we're going to use for the coming school year. And then at the end of the school year, we put in a report of everything that we actually used, which is nice because it gives you the freedom to change up your programs or whatever is working and what isn't. So I would include a detailed report of like books that they read and any like curriculum that we used, anything like that. So throughout the summer, I would turn in the end of the school year report in like June, the end of June, So anything we did for free learning, I called it free learning or play learning, I included in that report. And then I started my records in July and just took note of like any field trips that we took, um, all that stuff. And I just saved it for the following year.
0: That's great. So in Ontario, we don't even have to do any reports. I was never checked up on in 20 years of homeschooling. I think too, because I didn't have the kids in the system. So then... I wasn't on their radar. Whereas if you have your kids in and then you pull them out, I think you're more likely to get checked up on in Ontario. But, but one thing that what you said comes to mind is that I used to start out the year planning to the nth degree. I made like custom little planners for each of my kids. Cause I think making the planner is way more fun than actually doing what it says in the planner. <laughs> and then we would get behind or this and that, and I learned to adjust my planners for leaving some, you know, a week here or a week there, sort of for catching up or reevaluating, whatever. But with one of, of my kids in particular, it was way more helpful to write down what we actually did instead of that letdown of what we plan to do and never accomplished. So maybe for someone listening out there, that might be something that would be of an encouragement to you, because as Jen was saying earlier, you know, they're learning all the time. It doesn't have to be formal, sit down at the table, workbook, textbook learning. So if you start to add in all of those things, you find out that you are actually doing way more than you maybe thought you were. And it's really encouraging to write down what you actually are accomplishing. So just, I thought of that when you were talking about how you write your reports. What advice other than de-schooling, or maybe that is your advice, would you give someone just starting homeschooling?
1: Oh, go slow. Um, You know, take your time. You don't have to do everything all at once. And to have a lot of grace. It takes time to find your groove in homeschooling. And if you're working, I think it takes even longer. So a lot of parents want to try homeschooling for the summer and that's great. You know, that's what you feel is a good test time. But I always say the first year of homeschooling is a true test because now you're going through all the rhythms, including your work schedule, how that works, because all of us, you know, especially um, we have members that are in taxes or dealing with accounting, you know, the month of, January, February, March is pretty much written off. So knowing how you're, what that's going to look like, it allows you to live through all of that. You know, the kids, when you start off in September, you're all excited. You have all this new quick, shiny curriculum and all these great plans. And then, you know, October, November hits, the holidays hit, the stress of all that. Then January hits and your house is a mess because you've just lived through the holiday season and then you start getting tired. Well, the time February comes, you're starting to burn out. And so that's why I say it takes time to go through all of that and keep figuring out what works, what doesn't work. So So go slow, you know, uh, when you first start off, de-school, and then slowly add in like one thing at a time. And it's okay to add like one structured part of homeschooling into your life. Try that for a week, see how it works. And to give things time, I know uh, some of us get caught up in, okay, I'm going to try this program. And you try it for three days and your kids are fighting you and it doesn't work. And you're like, well, it's a program. But if you've only given it three days, you haven't given yourself and your kids time to adjust. To figure out what it is. How does it work? What do I like about it? What don't I like about it? So give yourself time
0: and grace. Thank you. And some kids need to be kind of massaged into anything new, especially if they have a little bit of anxiety. (laughs) You know, you have to let them know a week ahead of time and then give little reminders all the way up until the time so that they can get their heads around it. And, uh, and some kids more than others, for sure. If you could leave the listeners with a word of encouragement, what would you say? I guess
1: I would say you can do this. Um, it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. You know, you come into this working homeschool with an idea. All of us do. All of us have an idea of what this is going to look like. And chances are it's not going to look like that, but that's okay you know, I want you to be encouraged that whatever you're doing is good enough. It's, it's exactly what's needed right now. And um, you're not going to mess up your kids for life. And if I can do this, if I can make this work, anyone can make this work.
0: That is so encouraging. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, Jen. And I know that as a Working mom, you're super busy, so I appreciate you taking the time. And I'll be encouraging everyone to check out your website and get some support and encouragement there.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: Well, I sure enjoyed that, and I hope you did too. We will have more interviews with working homeschool moms coming up for you and one that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you is an interview with my mom, who was a working homeschool mom before most of us were even thinking about homeschooling. If you're listening to this podcast in real time which is May of 2021, I just want to give you an announcement and that is my company Canadian A Educational Resources will be launching a new division of children's picture book publishing and so we are running a contest the prize for which is a publication package of your book, including illustrations. So if you have written a children's story that you would like to have published at my expense, you can go to canadahomeschools.com contest and all the information will be there. So I hope you'll think about checking that out if you are an author. And just to recap, if you win the prize, you will be getting your children's story illustrated and published. So be sure to check that out. The deadline for contest submissions is June 15th. So if this is something that interests you, be sure to download the contest forms soon. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling Canada. <laughs>